0: I uh, guess I should mention that if there are any children that um, are age five and under, you know there is a place for them tonight. So it uh, looks like you're already on top of that, so I'll let that go. I have mixed, mixed really mixed feelings about Good Friday service because, frankly, I'm really grateful, <laughs> you know. I, 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 I would go to Good Friday services in the past, and they're somber, I mean, this is the anniversary of a very, very difficult night for someone who played a horrible, terrible price because of love. And I'm grateful that he loves me like that. I'm grateful that he loves you like that. I'm grateful, but I'm also heartbroken about what that night really was. And um, so I just want to say to you, here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to take an hour, and starting at about the time of the Good Supper, the Last Supper, we're going to work our way through the Passion. And we're going to examine at different points what was going on. And then we're going to end our service having worshipped some. So I hope that's okay with you. But I came tonight kind of thinking this is like a memorial service, but I want to turn it into a celebration and a coronation. So I want to say a couple things to you too. Um, This is kind of like the parental fine print. You know, as I was studying today... um, there aren't a whole lot of times when a preacher would want to stand with his flock and get into the details of the crucifixion. They are violent. They're hard. They're really difficult. And uh, knowing that we have some kids in here tonight, I want to be real careful about that, and I am going to be very careful about it. Um, it was hard studying this. Every time I've, I ever do this, it's hard studying this because the material is its, it's, it's worse than the movie. If you've seen The Passion, it's way harder than the movie. And uh, yet it was something that our Lord did for us intentionally. Intentionally. I um, I I, I want to ask you, what do you think the odds are that I'm going to do a public service and not start with a proverb, though? Not very good, right? Okay, so today's the 22nd, and there is a real jewel in the book of Proverbs. There is full of jewels, but there is a real jewel that we dare not pass. So we'll let's just, even though this is not a good Friday topic... It's always good to have a proverb, so today, today being the 22nd, we get verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. All of you parents, do that. Just do it. I, I, I have a lot of friends who now they're my age, and their kids have become adults, and kids do this on their path. They don't do this many times. They do this as they work their way there. And as a parent, I can tell you that that scripture has comforted a lot of parents who said, you know, they're off course right now, but I got a promise from God I'm going to hold to. And God always honors that promise. So I spent more time on the proverb than I normally do, but it's a good one, right? Raise up a child in the way he should go. When he he gets old, he will not depart from it. Jesus uh, knew what was coming and uh, he gathered up his disciples for the last staff meeting. Jesus' last team meeting. He got them all together, and he went through, thinking through, what would you do if you were the leader and you knew this was your last chance, your last chance with your key leaders, and after that, you're going to be gone out of the picture. It's not like you can write them telegrams and so forth. You're leaving. You're leaving. So this is his last time. He gathers them together, and he does some wonderful things. He, the, 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 the account in the book of Mark talks about the fact that he washed their feet. He, he, before dinner, he washes their feet. I'm not going to go on that now. That's that's a whole ser- sermon series, but it's an amazing thing that our God did. He washed their feet. And then at the Last Supper, he, he, um, he broke bread with them, and he gives them all kinds of final instructions, and then he tells them to remember him. And then in Matthew 26, there's this passage where he says, now as they were eating, He said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, Lord, is it I? That's an amazing moment. If you've seen that picture, that painting by Michelangelo of the Last Supper, that's the moment that's captured. He has just said, one of you is going to betray me, and they're all going, you know, what's going on in that picture? That's the moment. Next time you look at that picture, study it and see. It's obviously in the imagination. But here's the thing. Is it I? Is it I? Every one of them knew that they had the capacity to do very, very significant evil. It was just in, it's just in us. We can do some stuff if we're willing to let it. Then let's flip over to Luke. Then when the final hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Could I have the servers come now, please? We're going to pass out the communion elements. I'd just like you to ask, ask you just to hold on to both of them, and we'll receive them as a, as a family. So um, take one of the bits of broken bread and one of the cups. This is one of the very few number of ordinances that Jesus actually left behind he told us to do this in remembrance of him. He told us to get repent and get baptized, the institution of marriage. There are not a whole lot of things that we're to do that he's left and said, do this. There was this amazing discussion that had happened that preceded this before the Last Supper with a group of people who had been following Jesus. And um, he fed them all, thousands of them, and then overnight, he had gone over to the other side of the lake and uh, when they woke up and said, hey, the boats are gone, where's Jesus? And so they said, oh, over there. So they worked their way around and they found him and there was a little bit of a, almost a confrontation and Jesus said, you know what? You're here because you're hungry, not because you're seeking after the bread of life. I'm really paraphrasing now. Okay? And and they said, well, how do we find this bread of life? And he says, I'm the bread of life. Unless you eat my flesh, you have no part in eternity. And is an amazing story because they couldn't get their minds wrapped around it. It sounded like cannibalism. But what he was saying was, unless you adopt and unless you absorb, unless you take into you what it is that I'm here for, unless that becomes a part of your fabric, you won't have eternity with me. That's not a statement, by the way, for doctrine for you to say, well, you have to have communion or you don't make it to heaven. That's not what he's saying there. So these are precious, precious elements. The two things, his broken body and his shed blood. In anticipation of where he was going. Hold on to the bread in your hand. I want to pray over this. Okay. Are we there? Looks like it. Let's pray. Lord, on this night where we look back and remember I pray, God, that we would apprehend the full power of what we're doing here. That, God, by your broken body, we're made whole. By the absorbing, Lord, of the bread of life, we can know life. Lord, I want to thank you for the price you paid and the choice you made. We receive this now in Jesus' name. Go ahead and receive the bread. Thank you, Lord. Now hold the cup. Pray, Lord. Recognize that your Word teaches that without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sins, and I'm thankful that we no longer have to go through ritual after ritual to wash ourselves clear of, of sin. But instead, this is the blood of the new covenant. That instead you paid the price. I want to thank you for the gift you've given. I want to thank you that you love us the way you do. We receive it tonight, Lord, as an emblem, God, of our identification with you as our Savior. In Jesus' name, go ahead and partake. A lot went on that night. They uh, discussed all kinds of things, and eventually the meeting came to an end. And uh, Jesus tells them several things about themselves that they didn't want to believe. One of them was that as he was about to suffer, every one of them was going to fall away from them that night. Everyone. And at different times and in different places, they did. Peter, good old Pete, protests. He says, No, they might all fall away, but not me. <laughs> You know, pride goes before a fall, right? So he, he stands up and says, no, everybody else maybe, but not me, and I'll make it through just fine. And Jesus says, no, you're gonna deny me three times. Before. And you'll know it when you hear that confirmation of that, that rooster that crows. Later that night, the, the disciples tended to rest. Jesus was praying, and he wanted them to be praying too, but they weren't able to. Luke 22, and he says, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray. That you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, not very far. And he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is one of the hardest prayers for us to pray. It is one of the absolute hardest prayers. Our tendency is to go right to the throne with what we want to petition God about. And it's really a difficult and infrequent prayer for us to say, nevertheless, Lord, forget about what I really want. Let's do your will. That's a hard thing to pray. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. You know, this issue about sweating blood, there's a medical condition called hematodrosis, and it's very, very rare. And the capillaries around the sweat glands can swell up and actually bleed into the sweat glands, and it happens under times of extreme emotional or physical duress. Word says he was in agony. You know we can read that and understand it, but I think he knew what he was facing. He knew he would rise from, rise from the from the dead, but he knew what he was facing in the next handful of hours, and it wasn't good. I I think um, I just want to just pause for just a couple minutes tonight, and uh, you're also quiet and still. I mean, it's very reverent of you, but I want to stir things up and make a little bit of chaos. Okay is it okay because we're going to do it I mean that's (laughs) okay so here's what I would like to do I want to just we're going to leave this passage up just for a couple minutes and you'll notice the words of Jesus in red kind of that's kind of red Um, there were two things that he prayed that that, that are the subject of prayer one is pray that you may not enter into temptation and the second prayer is you know God I got my things I want to do but let's just set that aside and let's find your will Now, I'm going to ask you just to get with two or three people or maybe four that you're comfortable with and spend about two minutes. And these are the issues for you to hold hands or not hold hands or whatever in a small prayer group and pray together. So get out of your seats or turn in your seats or something. Do it without taking much time because I don't want to spend, you know, come on. Come on. Nobody's going to bite. Two or three minutes. Those are your two prayer items. And then I'll close this in prayer. these prayers. Just pray, Lord, because the purpose was to get ourselves in alignment with your voice and with your will. So protect us from temptation, God, and help us to have a heart that wants to seek after your kingdom first. Holy is your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Then, Judas having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests, that would be the 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 captain of the guard, would be the captain of the temple police. Their role was to keep order. From the chief priests and Pharisees came with, there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, stop right there. He knew all things that were going to come upon him that night. It is no wonder that the came, Blood went forward and said to them whom are you seeking they answered him Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus said to them I am he now the next thing that happens is amazing it just shocks me and Judas who betrayed him also stood there with him now when he said to them I am he they drew back and fell to the ground they all fell to the ground they didn't kneel they didn't lay down. But something happened when he said, I am he. <laughs> when, he was saying, when he was saying, I am he, I think Jesus was saying, I am very God of very God. I am he who you do not want to contend with. I am, you have no idea who you're dealing with, but full of love. He's saying that full of love. And down the ground they go. <laughs> and I could just imagine that they're down on the ground. What just happened? Did that just happen to you too? What's going on here? Of course, Jesus is still standing. He didn't go to the ground. They're all down on the ground. Yet they get up and keep on with work like it never happened. How often do we encounter (laughs) the majestic power of the Lord and just kind of step right on past it and never realize what was going on there? Lord, let that not be us, that we just don't really see it or, or we're not aware of it. And they said, and then he asked them again, who are you seeking? <laughs> Get up off the ground. Who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I'm he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these other go their way. Let these other guys go. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, quote, of those whom you gave me, I've lost none. That's a conversation between Jesus and the Father. Do you realize that? That once you've been put into Jesus' hands, he will not lose you. That's a huge promise. You may wander. That's not a truth to be traded upon, by the way. But you may feel sometime that you have done something that's absolutely canceled your opportunities for forgiveness. But that is not what that scripture says. You know, I, I learned it in the old King James vernacular. Those whom the Lord Father has entrusted into my hand can no one pluck out. <laughs> but it, you, you can't be pulled out of there. You can't be. Jesus, then there's this other thing that goes on there. Good old Pete, our friend Pete, pulls out his sword, comes to the rescue, hack, cuts off the ear of one of these guys, puts it on the ground. You know, Jesus says, hold it, hold it, hold it. Grabs the ear and sticks it back on the guy. You get the picture? Okay, they all drop to the ground. Okay. Then this guy cuts the ear off. He picks it up and sticks it back on there, and it's better than it's ever been. He gets to whatever 2020 hearing is, whatever that would be, right? I mean, Jesus put his hand on the guy and healed him. I bet you it was more than just the surgical repair of the deal. I, I, don't, I can't support that. I just think that, that the Lord doesn't do better than his best for his people. And so they witnessed these two miracles, and still, they blow right on through. It's an amazing thing. Their hearts and their agenda, had, they had come with such a pre-planned agenda, and they were so focused on their own agenda that their hearts were unable to receive the grace that was touching them to their dilemma and their own peril. it's pretty scary. At the high priest's palace later that night, the arresting party brings Jesus into the Sanhedrin. It's kind of like their Supreme Court. Jesus is beaten by the guards. Before they examine him, it can be kind of like, um, you know, we'd like you to come in for questioning. You know, the police show up. We'd like, we need to have you come in for questioning. And they just beat the tar out of you before they ask you any questions. Doesn't seem right, but that's what they did. They beat him before his examination. Now the court starts talking to him, these high priests and so forth. And one of the Jewish officials goes up and hits him in the face. Somehow their decision was already made and they decided that he was guilty and he needs to die. Some of them then began to spit upon him. All of them eventually spit upon him, on his face, on his face. You know, there is no, in this culture, there is no more powerful way to humiliate someone than you get up right in their face and you spit in their face. And they all did it. They all did it. And they blindfolded him. He couldn't see where the hits were coming from because they beat him again. The problem is with, with being blindfolded, it's one thing if, if your eyes are open and somebody starts hitting you, you can roll a little bit. You can kind of prepare yourself a little bit. But if you're blindfolded, you have no idea where it's coming from. It's worse. And then they start shouting at him, Prophecy, prophesy, tell us who's hitting you. And then the officers started, st- started to hit him with the palm of their hands. I think because it was easier on their hands. I think in my opinion I I think you know they probably had been hitting him with their fists and that hurts okay well let's use this part that might hurt not hurt so for their own comfort they're now hitting him with the palm of their hands meanwhile outside all of this out in the courtyard Peter had followed Jesus and so did one of the other disciples now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest but Peter stood at the door outside brave Peter with the sword and you know Peter the ear cutter then the other disciple who was known as high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter you are not also one of this man's disciples are you and he said i'm not no not me no i I'm, i don't know him now the servants and the officers who made a fire of coal stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves and peter stood there and warmed himself yeah, that would be one of his lowest moments. You know, I think that every one of us has the capability to do things we're ashamed of when we don't keep the Word of God at our side. It's just in us. So now he's moved off to the governor's palace early. It's early in the morning, not very long away now. And Pilate takes a look at the guy and says, You know what? He's innocent. He doesn't deserve to be here. But still the Jewish leader is saying, we want him to die. While he's in the custody of Pilate, even though he's been, he's been found innocent, he's beaten two more times by Roman guards. Pilate then goes out and gives a choice to the, the Jewish people. Do you want to have, you can, I'll, I'll release Jesus or you can have this criminal back for sure thinking they were going to pick the criminal. He wanted to let the innocent one go. They said, no, give us Barabbas. So after his trial, Pontius Pilate then had him scourged. Now, I'm going to try not to get too graphic here, but you need to understand, this was a whip with leather pieces on it, and tied in the leather pieces were bits of bone, glass, sharp rocks. And these. it was like a whip that had many ends on it, and you know, a couple feet long. And the person doing the scourging would whip and drag it back across the skin so that all of those pieces could do what it is that they do. And the tradition was that the appropriate punishment was 40 lashes. But they backed off and only did 39 because that was mercy. Just 39, just 39 strokes. Now the thing about scourging is that because of the tissue damage and the bleeding and so forth, the trauma itself, this can be a fatal, fatal process. This can, it, it's, it could be a fatal process. But now he's getting dehydrated and weakened significantly by what's going on to him. And then now Jesus sends him off to be, uh, Pilate sends Jesus off to be crucified. We're now about six hours left to go. Six hours. About the time to get in your car here, drive to Safeco Field, watch a good long game up at Safeco Field, Marindles will lose. And then drive home. About that much time now. That's how much time Jesus has back. Six hours. A little over half a work day. And as they send him off, they beat him again with their hands and some, this time with a reed. And they put on him a crown of thorns. Now, when you leave today, walk over here and look up. That's pretty close to what it was. Is this the same plant? Okay. Now, I hung this thing up here with some help. And I'm thankful because that I didn't, like, I mean, those points, those thorns on there, they're, they're long, they're sharp, they're hard. And um, it was hard just handling it. But to have something like that pressed on to your already hurting head from all of the rest of the pummeling that had gone on a Crown of Thorns. I want to read to you two scriptures out of Isaiah. Isaiah 50 verse 6 says this, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair or the beard. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And the second one, Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. Now hold on, we're almost, we're almost done with this and we're gonna get to worship pretty quick, okay? Hold on, we're getting there. He's on Golgotha, which is a hill just outside of, just up on the hill there, later in the morning. And I'm not gonna go into the details very much about the crucifixion, except to say that it was, this was a form of execution, that by the time of Jesus' life, the Romans had refined it into a very, very effective form of torture. It wasn't meant to put somebody to death. It was meant to torture someone to death. And the process basically involved flexing the knees, placing the feet parallel to the the beam so that the legs were in a position that it was very, very difficult to support your weight. Same thing with the hands. And... let's just say it was a very finely honed process, they could make it last for minutes or as much as seven or eight days. And they did both sometimes. And when they got tired of how long it was taking someone to die, their, their practice was to go and break the person's legs because that would take away any ability to lift the weight off, off of the diaphragm so that they could breathe. And typically when they would do that, the person would suffocate within minutes. That was the practice. At three o'clock in the afternoon about, Jesus said, to die, Which means it's finished. Your book, your, your Bible probably says it's finished. I'm going to go into that a in little bit. There he was, and then, after he said it's finished, he commanded his spirit, and he says, okay, you can go. Nobody killed Jesus. Nobody killed him. He freely chose to give up his life. He freely chose and commanded his spirit to go. It's an important doctrinal point. There were seven things that Jesus said on the cross while he was on the cross, seven. And tradition gives us an order. Not, you can't be certain about the order of these things, but here are the seven things that he said, and then I have a scripture for you, and then we're gonna worship. He said first, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His first prayer, his first comment on the cross and his last comment were one-to-one one one direct communications with God the Father. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The second thing he said was to the thief next to him who he was forgiving. He said, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So the second thing, his, after his first comment was to the Heavenly Father, who will also be his last comment, the next thing he did was care for the lost. He was still looking how to save people in his last moments. The third thing, he was kind of curious. He looks down, and the people, the disciples have stayed away. They're all, they're all afraid. Now, some of them are out there, somewhere off in the crowd. But at his feet, at the foot of the cross, is one disciple and three Marys. His mother Mary... Mary Magdalene and his mother Mary's sister who was also named Mary three three Marys right there at the foot of the cross and he looks at his mother and he looks at this disciple and he says this woman behold your son he wasn't pointing at himself he was pointing at the other disciple and then looking at him he said behold your mother amazing First contact with God, second contact, looking after the loss. His third contact now was to care for family relationships. He knew that his mother was agonizing watching what was going on to her son. It's hard as a parent. It's hard as a mother to watch your children suffer. I mean, it's impossible. Some of you have seen it way worse than me. It's impossible. And Jesus' heart was to bring comfort to his mother. And he says to her, "You know what? I'm going to give you another son." And he says to this disciple, Adopt this woman. Now, he took her home. Scripture says that he took Mary home and she lived with him there. We don't really know what happened to Mary after that. Tradition says that she lived another 11 years and died at age 59. Tradition says that. We really don't know. The next thing he says is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now his soul is crying out. His heart is broken this is where you see, you hear the soulish part of Jesus saying, this hurts. This hurts, God. And he's in m- emotional pain worse than the physical pain. The next thing he says, at this point now, there are things that are going on physically in his body. There's, his lungs may be filling with moisture, and he's, he's having a hard time breathing. His heart's pumping harder than it, it can't keep up. He's got... He's got not enough oxygen, too much carbon dioxide in his system and he's dehydrating. Physiologically, that's going on. He's bleeding from the other things that are going on. He's thirsty. He literally is thirsty. So his, it was, he talked to, the, the previous comment was about his, his soul. Now this is his body crying out, I'm thirsty. Just a statement. Next thing he says is, to tell us I it is finished. You know, that's his spirit now. Now he's gotten past his soul, he's gotten past his physical body, and now his spirit, which is what all of us want to, to lead our lives, not our soul and not our, not our physical body. But he's gotten to the point where his spirit, and he says, way to go. You finished it. To tell us that it's translated in your scripture, it says it is finished. But what it r- literally means, it means, is it, it, it references a specific goal that has been completely and utterly accomplished. Um, when you would buy something in the marketplace in these days, and you would have a receipt of sorts, you would take it, and the vendor would write on that receipt to tell us, paid in full." Literally, it means paid in full. Your price, you've been paid in full. Your sins, paid in full the things that you've done that you can't recover with god apart from jesus paid in full i wish the guys at visa would figure that out huh right paid in full then the last thing he does back to one on one with god his father into your hands i commit my soul my spirit and off he goes he commands it done the reason I came, it's been accomplished. No one can ever take it away. There's nothing left undone. And those that the Father has entrusted right here, no one can ever get them out. It's finished, it's accomplished to tell us, "I." You and I need to be grateful for that. It's worth worshiping. It's worth standing and, and, and praising the king. It's worth slogging through what we slogged through to get to this moment. It's worth it to him. It's got to be worth it to you and me. I want to back you up before this, the time of the Passion now to something he said to a group of people a number of days before in the book of John. John 6, verse 35, it says And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. The one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that, all, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up at that last day praise your name
1: song. It's called Sweetly Broken. I'm going to invite you in a little bit, but right now, can you just sit back and receive? To the cross I look To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing on my Savior, bruised and crushed, showed that God and God is just. cause you becken me you draw me in Priceless gift, undeserved life, have I been given? Christ crucified. But I thanks, Lord, with our lips, with our hands, with our hearts. We give you blessing, Lord. Be exalted in this place. Be exalted in our own hearts, Lord God. For you alone are worthy, Lord. For you alone are worthy of all praise. That's right. Just sing it to him, church. For you alone Thank you that you, uh, our King, Lord Jesus, would pay the price for us. Holy, righteous, faithful, our Savior, our Healer. Let's sing that, church.
0: quick scripture over you, and um, then I'm going to send you on your way. I think you got us. a way, way to go. Yeah. I'm grateful for leaders that take us where we go. Thank you for that. But let this be the benediction, the blessing upon you tonight. Before I read it, I want to remind you, Sunday, Sunday's going to be a big day. Sunday, the Lord is going to harvest. Sunday, the Lord is going to plant promise. And I want to encourage you to bring people, bring friends or neighbors or family, because they're going to hear good news. And they're going to hear the gospel in a way that probably they've never heard before. And um, I'm going to help them understand what's different between Christianity and all the other world religions in a loving and complete way. I'm real excited about it. So take this as your blessing tonight as you go. This is out of Psalm 103. This is a keeper. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on Good Friday. And we'll see you this weekend. Oh, if you can come at 9 30 instead of eleven fifteen, it'll help. Okay, okay. God bless you. Good night. There's cookies and coffee next door tonight too, so if you're hungry, bless you. Want
1: child of God.